Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Yosef. For those who do not know me, I'm one of the pastors at ERBF. I just want to share uh, one news first before we start. Uh, please pray for Ade and Judith at the recent and tragic passing of their daughter. For those who, do, who know them, please uh, remember them in your prayers. Their daughter was only 24 years old. Pray for God's strength and comfort for the whole family, please. This summer, uh, Pastor Dave has been reminding us of the greatness of our God and his creation. And last week, Pastor Terry talked about godly wisdom. This week, we are going to talk about staying on task. Before we start, I just want to say just a reminder that we do not have kids on today. Um, so let's pray together. Dear Father, thank you for your presence, Lord, and your love. As Nathan mentioned, Father, let us love you and love one another. I pray that you put me aside and speak through me, Father. We all need your Holy Spirit to heal us, to lead us to the path of righteousness. Please teach us your ways and use us for your kingdom, Lord. I pray that those listening today would be prepared to hear from you and not me. Please bless all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you heard of emotional blindness? What does it mean? It means my father is thinking about my brother's future, but never spend time with him. My sister thinks about my father who works hard, but so far she has not reduced her wishes so that my father can have some rest and peace. My mother sleeps every night thinking about my happiness, but until now she has not asked me what makes me happy. Every morning, when I wake up, I wake up thinking about my mother's suffering and hardship, but until now, I have not taken her out to a movie or helped her with her housework so that she might have more peace. In psychology, this is called emotional blindness. We hide our feelings. Our duty is not clear to ourselves. We love each other, but we don't have the courage to show our love in action. This is exactly what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 7, verse 19 and 20. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who does it, but it is sin living in me that does it. No matter how much head knowledge we have about God, God created us to be blessed and to be a blessing to the community around us. Today's story will help us to understand this very important thing, that we are called not just to know the task, but to do the task. Nehemiah resisted the schemes of Satan, dealt with his emotions, his sinful nature, and other enemies, and surrendered his life to this great king in order to be used by him. Today we are going to talk about Nehemiah who rebuilt the broken wall in Judea and help the Israelites rebuild their community. Before Nehemiah's time, God has scattered the Israelites among the nations because, because of their sinfulness as a nation. As a result, Nehemiah lived in, a, in exile in Persia, in the city of Susa, and worked for the king of Persia as a cupbearer. One day, Nehemiah's brother came to him from Judea and told him that Jerusalem was suffering and many people there were not following God. 
After hearing this discouraging report, the very first thing Nehemiah did was pray. This was his prayer. Hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me, I will gather you and bring you to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. God heard Nehemiah's prayer. One day as Nehemiah was pouring the wine for the king, the king asked him why his face was sad, as Nehemiah's face never had been sad in the king's presence. Who knows? Maybe because of his workplace, he shouldn't be sad and smile like, one, well, like someone who works as a cashier. I remember when I was a cashier, they told the staff to smile when you serve the customer. But sometimes the pain is too much to hide our sadness. And that's the day for Nehemiah. When the king asked him why, Nehemiah told him that Jerusalem was suffering, and he asked the king for permission to go back and rebuild the wall in Judea. The king was touched by Nehemiah's words. Then he gave Nehemiah permission, as well as the resources, to go back and rebuild the wall. He even helped him by, by writing a letter so that the other governor would not bother Nehemiah in his plan. God was with Nehemiah. Nehemiah went to, to Judea and shared his plan about the building the wall with the Jews, priests, and the nobles, and they believed his words, and they strengthened their hands for God's work. However, God and his family have always had enemies. Right after Nehemiah sought the welfare of the people of Israel, enemies like Hornites and Ammonites were displeased. First, Nehemiah's enemies made fun of him and God's people. As usual, Nehemiah prayed, God, do not cover their guilt and let their sin be blotted out from your sight. Would they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders? It is true that God does hear and answer every prayer, but sometimes not in the way we expect or even in the way we want. In terms of Nehemiah's prayer, it seemed like God was not answering his prayer because his enemies continued bothering him and those working with him. But Nehemiah trusted God and stood with his prayer. So their enemies, Sambalet and Geshem, sent messages to Nehemiah to get Nehemiah to leave the wall and meet them in the plain of Uno. We are not sure how far Uno was, but it seems it was half a day's journey from Jerusalem to Uno. So Nehemiah refused to go, as he knew they intended to do him harm. Moreover, he believed that he was doing great work for God, and his time was precious to him, as it was God's time. Then Nehemiah's enemies criticized Nehemiah for rebelliousness and accused him of building the wall to claim himself as a king of Judea. Nehemiah prayed again, God, strengthen my hands against my enemies. His enemies also paid money to an Israelite false prophet, Shemaiah, to ask Nehemiah to leave the wall and, and meet him in the, in the house of God within the temple. But Nehemiah did not trust Shemaiah, 
Instead, he trusted God more than anyone else, even the prophet, so he refused to go. Again, Nehemiah prayed, and this was his prayer. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, oh my God, according to these things that they did. And also, the prophetess Noedeah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. You know, despite all the opposition, whether outside of the Jewish community, like Sambalat, the Hornite, or within Jewish community, like the Israelite prophets, Nehemiah completed the wall. Together, I want to look at what God is teaching us through the story of Nehemiah. Not through his physical actions, but through his spiritual relationship with God, and how, like Nehemiah, God will help us to accomplish the tasks he has prepared for us. We will cover three things here. The first is to identify the task. The second and third are to identify our enemies. First, the enemy within, second, the enemy without. These things are necessary for us to stay on task. The first question we must answer is, what is my task? What wall or walls are you and I called to rebuild? Perhaps you and I are not called to go and rebuild the wall as Nehemiah was called. In fact, if we look more deeply, Nehemiah was called to repent and help the Israelites to have a community that would represent God's character. Nehemiah prayed for four months before taking on his role as leader. Because of that, he saw not only the need for a rebuilt wall, but the need for a rebuilt society and faith among God's people. Yes, God called us to rebuild our life and encourage others to rebuild their lives. How many of you wished that those whom you loved, like your daughters, sons, parents, or spouse, or spouses understand, understood their failures and restored their lives. How do you feel when God invites you to restore your life? I would like to ask you to see if you relate to any of these things. Are you a Christian who is constantly criticizing others? Are you a small group leader who cannot tolerate different points of view? Are you secretly addicted to pornography or alcohol or drug? Are you a husband or wife, busy, busily serving in the church or other areas of life, unaware of your spouse or children's loneliness? Are you busy with ministry and rarely take, take any personal time to take care of yourself? Are you a member of your small group but never transparent about your struggles or difficulties? Are you working at your workplace and constantly thinking about your success, competing with others, and even abusing your position for the sake of your benefits and success? If you do not mind, can I say that you and I are that broken wall that God called Nehemiah to rebuild? And our task is our own restoration as God's people before the world. What should we do when we hear this discouraging news? In my life, whether in my workplace, workplaces, in my seminary, or through my Christian history books, I constantly faced one issue, which Pastor Peter Scazzaro mentions. 
He says, the sad truth is that too little difference exists in terms of emotional and relational maturity between God's people inside the church and those outside who claimed no relationship to Jesus Christ. Even more alarming, when you go beyond the praise and worship of our large meetings and conventions and into the homes and small group meetings of God's people, you often find a valley littered by broken and failed relationship. relationships. These are some examples of human failures, but I want us to know that God does not want us to be discouraged. Nehemiah was open to be vulnerable before God and didn't take the same path as some of the Jewish prophets took. In order to complete the work of God, he became humble and acknowledged his enemies and resisted Satan's many schemes. And the second question is, who are our enemies? What do we do when we encounter our enemies so that we can stay on task? Nehemiah knew his enemies. We see in Nehemiah's story that God's people have two different types of enemies. They were prophets within the Jewish community who tried to interfere with the task God had called Nehemiah to. And there were also enemies outside of God's people, like Sambalat the Hornite or Tobiah the Ammonite, who were trying to interfere with, with the rebuilding of the wall. But if we are looking at this passage spiritually and not just physically, what does this mean for us? First, let's consider the enemy within. History shows that one of the vicious enemies of each person is the person himself or herself. Yes, the reality is that you and I can be our own enemy before God and our own people. I think the main thing to rebuild our life, which will lead us to stay on task, is to acknowledge the vicious enemy within us. The enemy within us can show up in many ways, far too many to cover here today. But we will look at one of the internal enemies that we see Nehemiah dealing with and bringing before the Lord, which is recovering from losses in life. We all can relate to this. Even just looking back at the pandemic, we probably have experienced many losses, whether large or small, but they are surely not the only losses in our lives. From Nehemiah's example, we can learn about how to confront our losses in a way that brings healing and doesn't allow them to become an, uh, to become an enemy within us. Norman Wright says, how you deal with your losses will affect the rest of your life. Loss is not the enemy, not facing its existence is. When Nehemiah heard that Jerusalem was suffering, he could have rejected his connection with Jerusalem and stayed out of trouble by continuing his job as a cupbearer for the king. But he knew that he was an Israelite who lived in exile. Nehemiah identified his losses and grieved over them. As he was living in a new country, perhaps he experienced a major cultural loss of lifestyle. Probably in Nehemiah's life, language, familiar faces, rule patterns, worship, food, and relationships were all lost as part of his experience in a foreign land. Now, how do you and I deal with our losses? The truth is that most people do not identify their losses. 
We need to take time to look deeply at our losses and face the truth. The truth, Jesus said, will set us free. Let's see how Nehemiah faced his losses. Nehemiah's grief before God and his brokenness before the king of Persia teaches us that with his brokenness, he dealt with his losses. The The only kind of people God uses are those who do not depend on their own gifts or resources, but they acknowledge their brokenness and vulnerability. And it is brokenness and vulnerability before the Lord that we can see in Nehemiah as he faces his losses. I do not know what your childhood dream was. As my childhood was during war, I always thought that I am going to be a hero and help others. But in in my mid-age, I am learning that there are no heroes in this life, just broken people who God is willing to use despite their brokenness. I would like to share with you one more story of acknowledging the loss within through the story of the prodigal son, a young man who lost everything but was able to deal with his losses. Through the story of the prodigal son, God teaches us how to face our losses and and to respond with brokenness and vulnerability. I wish I had time to, to read the whole story of the prodigal son. However, there were two sons who were called the older brother and the younger brother. After a time of rebellion, the younger brother became needy, very needy, because he was able to see the depth of his losses and accept his brokenness. He became homeless and so hungry that he wished he could eat what the pigs were eating. And he remembered his father's house and he missed it. He said to himself, I will get up and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. It was at this time, it was at this point, that he heard from his father, you are my son whom I love. Upon you does my my favor rest. Some of us may have already made this journey of brokenness modeled by the younger brother. But if you and I are still caught in games, manipulations, self-delusions, power struggles, competition and distortion, like the older brother, and forgetting the voice of our father who says to us, you are my son and daughter whom I love. Then we need to recognize that we are lost and need to make the journey back home to our father. So we learned, so what we learned is to acknowledge our wishes enemy like losses which are within us, and deal with them, like Nehemiah or the prodigal son. Second, through this passage, we come to understand better how to deal with the outer enemy to stay on task. The truth is that it is difficult to distinguish between the inner and outer enemies. How should we encounter our enemies outside of us and stay on task? Perhaps like Nehemiah, you have faced those who unfairly mock you, attack you, and wrongly accuse you. Nehemiah did not face his enemies out of his own flesh and strength. Instead, he used, pray- Instead, he used prayer and his relationship with God in order to face his enemies' schemes. 
The way Nehemiah dealt with his enemies always began with being with God. It began with prayer. For instance, when he faces a threat, he prays to God, but now my God has strengthened my hands. Nehemiah knew that the ownership belongs to God and God is the star performer in this life. Nehemiah was not in control. God was. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we live in a world which shaped our personalities to be in control. We normally do not want to be even equal to others. If I say it simply, most people would like to be the boss. Even Christians. When I came to Vancouver, I realized that there are many churches in Vancouver with a small population in them. One of my mentors said that many leaders who are working in the same church live and start their own small congregation because they cannot tolerate others over themselves and want to be the head leader. And even more, they secretly use ungodly manners over God's people, like depending on charm to get what they want if bullying those under them doesn't work. What we learn from Nehemiah's story is that when God is the star performer and not us, then like Nehemiah, we rely, we rely on God, not ourselves. Relying on God helped Nehemiah to understand the depth of relationship, the relationship with God and the relationship with others. It is true understanding the relationship that we can do tasks according to God's plan. To our youth leader, mostly I say, when you are doing business, usually they say location, location, location. I say relationship, 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 when we are going to follow the Lord. Nehemiah's relationship with God was more important than to be in control and fight with his enemies over justice. That is why we see him all the time in the position of prayer, because he learned that God is in control. Dan Allender in his book, The Cry of the Soul says, to wait is to have confidence that God will bring justice. As we near the end of our time together, I want to share the song, this song which beautifully pictures this passage. God wants us to acknowledge our wishes enemies and give the control of our lives into his hands. The psalmist says, and I would like you all to read these psalms with me. Let's read it together. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a wind child with its mother. Like a wind child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. What we learn from Nehemiah is to acknowledge that we are the broken wall, and the enemies who keep us from experiencing repair are both within us and outside of us. Lastly, to fight all of our enemies and stay on task, we need to pray and come to the Lord the star performer, and the only one truly in control who can restore us to himself. 
God is inviting us to ignore our partnership with the enemies, with the enemy within us and outside of us, and experience the beauty of the task of restoration. I want to challenge you to apply some principles to your life. First, pray that God would help you to break the power of the vicious enemies within you. This may be like Nehemiah facing your losses, or it may be dealing with your pride, fear, or jealousy, or other enemies within yourself. Second, embrace brokenness and vulnerability in your life, whether facing losses in your life or other enemies within yourself. And finally, pray constantly and trust in God as the star performer in your life and others' lives and trust Him to take control, instead of trying to take control for yourself. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your words. Thank You for encouraging us to love You and love each other. We want to break the power of the vicious enemies within us. We need Your Holy Spirit to help us, Lord. We need each other, too. Like Nehemiah, help us to face our losses. Help us to deal with our pride, fear, or jealousy, or other enemies within ourselves. Help us to embrace our brokenness in our life and live humbly before you and the world. And remind us to pray constantly and trust in you as the star performer in our life and others' lives. Father, please bless us and help us to be a blessing in our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship. At ERBF, we want to let you know that some people are available to pray with you at the front to the right, immediately following the service. And if you would like to, I encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity. I want to leave you with a benediction from James chapter 1, verse 2 to 5. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let the steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given him. As men and women of God, we can pray in the midst of our trials and circumstances. God gave hope and strength to Nehemiah to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem and reestablish his people. May we also seek wisdom from God and rebuild our lives in him for the sake of God and our community. He is generous to give us wisdom without reproach. Remember that. May God be at work in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.